please stand with me in honor of the word of God as I read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Welcome. I'm glad you're here this morning. We're preparing our hearts uh, for Easter and just this time of celebration in the church. A lot of the church calls it Lent. Lenten season. Lent means it's just an Anglo-Saxon word meaning to lengthen out the time that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it's a good thing for our hearts to do, to remind our hearts uh, the habits that we should have year-round. So year-round we should have these practices in our heart. We've looked at repentance, how we need to have that in our heart, that repentance returning uh, from Joel, rending our hearts before the Lord, keeping them humble before him. We've looked at times of testing, like Jesus' testing in Matthew 4, uh, times of temptations and tempting and testing, and that we are tested with our faith. You learn something, God tests you on that, you pass it, you move on, or you fail and you retake the test. <laughs> and so these are things that are uh, habits of the heart, and today I'm looking at contentment. I believe this is a time of comfort, consolation, and contentment. Overall, there's something really lacking many times. Of course, it's lacking in the world, but it's lacking in our hearts. And it's just being content. Having times when we are satisfied in God. So we're looking today about this, that in all circumstances, how is Psalm 23 Lenten? Well, in the center of it, at the heart of it, it's about walking through the valley of the shadow of death and fearing no evil. So that's some deep darkness is another way of seeing it, the valley of the shadow of death. And we're going to be looking at the center, but we're going to be looking at the verses on either side of that. And and just really kind of digging into Psalm 23. So let's begin. I like to know uh, the author. You might know the author of this psalm. It's a real uh, popular, most popular psalm, prayer, song uh, within Judaism and the Christian church. It's written by David. David himself, I think this is a very personal psalm. I think that's why we love it. I think it's very personal to him. A lot of uh, the Eastern and Middle Eastern wor world was very community-oriented. They were very our uh, type of, but this one, this particular psalm, centers in on David's personal prayer 
the Lord is my shepherd. It's very personal. I think uh, that's appealing to us in our Western world, but I think it's also appealing because David is writing this very personally about himself, about a psalm from the sheep's perspective. You could call it the psalm of the sheep. Like, if the sheep was thinking that Yahweh was their shepherd, what would it be like? How good would it be? Most of us might know that David himself was a shepherd. So digging in a little bit first about the author, in 1 Samuel 17, 33-35, David is about to confront Goliath. He said, I'll confront him. I'll fight. I won't, I won't back down in fear. And he's having this conversation with Saul, and, and David says to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. So we learn this about David, that he was a keeper of the sheep. He says, and when there was a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him, struck him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and struck him and killed him. You see, David, even as a young boy, was bold and protective. He was a shepherd. It would be like writing about something that you're acquainted with. I tried to think, like, if I wrote a psalm, what would it be about from my youth? And I thought it would be something about, like, as me and my brother that was two years older than me started a lawn care business. And so we mowed yards and we trimmed people's bushes and we weeded it. And I guess I would say the Lord is my gardener. He, he keeps me uh, pruned and trimmed and mowed and <laughs> things. But David's writing this from that perspective. And we might not have, you know, animal husbandry as something in our study and background. A lot of our world does it today, but I think we can still learn a lot from David's shepherd heart what it meant to be that as a young boy and David saying even at this very young age saying I'm going up against Goliath and Saul's like um, in 1 Samuel 17 39 through 40 he goes um, he puts on his armor and uh, Saul does and David said I can't go up with these for I have not tested them this isn't David David is not yet a uh, a hardened battled warrior he does become that he becomes very good with the sword and armor, but at this point he's not. He's just a young shepherd boy showing up on this scene to bring lunches to his older brothers, and here he is like, I'll go fight him. No one else willing. Saul's like, well, we'll put this armor on you. He says, I haven't tested this. This isn't me. This is in reference uh, to our sermon last week about being tested. What has God tested us in? Going with what he has tested. So David put them off. He had to take them off. And what did David take? He took what he was experienced with, it says in verse 40 of 1 Samuel 17, he took his staff, because he's just like, I'm a shepherd boy, I'm going out as a shepherd boy, this is all I know. So he takes his staff, shepherd's staff, uh, in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the brook, put them in his shepherd's pouch, so shepherd's staff, shepherd's pouch, and he had a sling in his hand, and he approached the Philistine with nothing but that. That's what he knew. His faith wasn't fully in that, his name his faith was in the name of God. He confronted Goliath and, and, and approached him not in his own name, not in his own skill, but in the name of the Lord. So that's, that's what was big in David's imagination was in his faith and in his trust was not how
how great he was with that sling pouch of those stones because this guy's nine foot six and has been a warrior since his youth and he's a little kid he's not going out there going i'm going to out fight out skill this guy he says you know i'm coming to you in the name of yahweh i'm coming to you in the name of god my faith is in him he's way bigger than you are you're tiny you're nothing to him he wasn't looking at himself and scripture teaches this and this psalm is teaching this to see how big god is what what would it be like to be a little helpless sheep underneath God's care. And this is very much about uh, one, one phrase I heard as I was studying this, the jewel of contentment. It's like it's so treasured, like we don't have contentment, we don't have contentment in our life, but the overall emotion that emotes out of this psalm is just what does it mean to be in God's care and to be content in Him? Because our world is not content, and most of the time we as Christians aren't. But David is, is bringing this out of just this contentment of God. And he says, the Lord, he begins, the Lord. And this word Yahweh is the covenant-keeping God, like all that God is. The Lord is my shepherd. So he's saying this covenant-keeping God, this all-powerful, all-knowing, every-present God, he's my shepherd. He's bringing this metaphor, this imagery of of Yahweh being his shepherd and watching over me as his sheep, that I'm in the Lord's care. And you sense that David's very fully trusting in, we're going to need this because, you know, we're going to see some valley of the shadow of death coming here. We're going to need this beginning. And this beginning is the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That means uh, I shall not lack anything. This is, this is that jewel of contentment. I don't lack anything. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't have any need of anything. I have him. He is my all. All my needs are met. This is what David's saying. Um, all my needs are taken care of. So what do you have? He makes me lie down. Makes me. Because we will not stop. We are people full of distractions. We have the world and all of its glory being thrown at us. We have cares of the world, like Jesus said, that come to choke out the word of God in us, the cares of the world, the distractions of the world, the love of the world, First John says. We have all these things coming at us, and David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. It's not necessarily here to eat. Sheep stand to eat. I, I learned all this from animal husbandry people. I don't know these things personally, but they're, they're there lying down in a beautiful place. It's a place of beauty, a place of rest in God's care. And he leads me beside still waters. These waters still are quiet waters. They mean a place of rest. He makes me lie down and rest. Are you one of those goers that God has to stop you to make you lie down and rest? That's what David said. He's my shepherd. He tells me when to rest. He makes me lie down. And he makes me lie down in beautiful places and green pastures and by still waters, places of rest. A place where you're at peace. This place of contentment. This world is a place of discontentment. A place where people sing about not being able to get any satisfaction. Rolling Stone fans can't get no satisfaction. try 
and I try, and I try, and I try. says it four times. In the Bible, when God says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, three times in a row, it means perfect. When you say something three times, you're, and I guess this is like for humanity, four times, you just can't, can't get any satisfaction, no matter how hard we try. It's, the world is in that. Try to get more, more, more. Uh, I'm riding around the world. I'm signing this. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this and signing that. He's doing all these things, but still there's no, no satisfaction at discovering the world. You might look at Solomon in Ecclesiastes. Uh, he did, did everything. He had everything. He, he went into all kinds of fields. He went into architecture. He built aqueducts and water and rivers. He was a great architect. He, he did just every area of life that you can imagine, uh, he explored, and yet it was all like the wind, it was all like a vapor, it meant nothing without God, because God is everything, David's saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he stops me, and he, he keeps me in these places of contentment, and peace, and makes me lie down by still waters, quiet waters, places of rest, and we are people trying, trying, and trying, and more and more and more, and led away by distractions. Not only that, the people of God were this way. Uh, Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 2.13, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Forsaking. This is what sheep will do. They'll wander away from something that good, something that place, and they've hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. We'll turn to things that can't hold water. We'll leave the places that God's causing us to rest in, in Him, and go seek out to do and try our own things, our own finding our own ways for peace and contentment. But we never will because our only contentment is in God. It's in Him. It's claiming God is my shepherd. I'm content. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down and rest and enjoy His presence and I'm still uh, in my soul. Be still and know that I'm God and I'm by still waters. He is my God. He is my shepherd. Can you say that today? The Lord is my shepherd. If you can, and you do, you will be a person that is content in him. If he is your shepherd, you will not be an anxious person. You won't look like anxious, worrying people. You won't. You'll be a sheep, a sheep that is content. What's been doing today? I've been all lying in some green pastures and just laying by still waters. You know, God made me lay down. Wow, you look really refreshed. Well, you should, because the next scripture says, he restores my soul. Same word for refresh. He refreshes my soul. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You see, we need our souls refreshed. We need our souls restored. And David says, he restores my soul. Uh, one theologian teaching, preaching on this kind of ask this question, have you ever seen, I don't know if you've seen, but maybe even heard of a cast sheep? Come on, Adam, what's a cast sheep? 
can watch some YouTube videos on it. Shepherds walking out, oh, look at that sheep, you know. And he's laying on his back with his feet waddling in the air like this. And people that haven't seen it before go, what's going on? You know, one guy <laughs> walks up and kind of grabs him with his foot and flips him over and he like runs off and almost runs into this water because he's all dizzy. And, and uh, that's what a calf sheep is. Sheep are so helpless that they'll go to lay down and look looks like a perfectly smooth area. There can be a little mound two inches high, and if they lay on it like this and they start to roll over a little bit on that little mound, their feet will turn up in the air and all of a sudden they'll, they'll wake up. And once they get on their side and up like this, they can't get over. They just lay there and kick and they can die because their gases, the way their stomach is, they're upside down, and they'll swell up, and in heat, they can die within a couple of hours. And uh, in cooler weather and other conditions, they might last for a while, but they will die in that condition if someone doesn't help them turn over. Now, most of us have probably seen this with a turtle, you know, how it gets turned over, and we've watched some videos of turtles swimming around and getting underneath the turtle and for this text, it's a shepherd. It's a shepherd coming to turn. A lot of people believe that this restore my soul, restore my life. It's both a picture of us not knowing the Lord and his great salvation. Like in our salvation, we're helpless to save ourselves. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Our good shepherd has to come because we're just like, Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him, Isaiah 53, 6. So this picture of lamb and sheep and the helplessness of us, the rebelliousness of us, but just a, ca a cast sheep is this picture of this. It reminds me of me, you know, just like kicking and like, huh, I can't, what? You know, and it's like lifts me up. And then sometimes you, if you've been, the sheep has been upside down for a while, they're bloated, they're gassy because they're, it's not working right, upside down, the, the shepherd will stand over the sheep and like rub their legs for a while, bring life back into their legs, bring blood flow back into their legs, really make sure they're stable, and then get them back on the right path, leading them on paths of righteousness for his namesake and getting them back with the flock. Um, so... Restoring my soul is he restores my soul. He's, he's our salvation, but more than that, we need times of refreshing. We need not uh, just a, a one-time salvation, but we need him to restore our soul. We get turned over at times. We think it's something little, we lay down, and then all of a sudden we're turned upside down over the littlest thing, maybe a hurtful comment or something at work, and then we're just flailing in the air and we need him to restore our refresh us. We're pouring out in our jobs and our work with our children and in relationships and we need him just to refresh us. We need these times of refreshing. Literally this restore my soul is, is um, you know, soul is like our whole life, our whole life being. Restore, refresh my life. Breathe life into me. Restore me. Get me back up. Walking and moving on the paths of righteousness your namesake. David prays this after he's
fallen into sin. We looked at Psalm 143 today in our um, service and liturgy. Uh, we looked at Psalm 51 uh, previously the week before. And in, in it, David's praying this psalm after his, Psalm 51 after his sin with Bathsheba. And he prays in Psalm 51:12, restore, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Like we need to be restored. We need to be restored with the joy of his salvation. Uh, we need to be upheld by God to have a willing spirit because sheep are stubborn. They go their own way. And we need that restoration all the time. And it's interesting, I find this very, very comforting that we're led, we restore our soul and lead us in paths of righteousness, right paths, right way, get us back on the right path for your namesake. Now, this is very God-focused. It's shepherd-like for, for your namesake. Why is there contentment in that? Why do I find contentment? Why did David find this jewel of contentment in that? It's for God's namesake. And I think it's this, um, his name is the reason how God acts. It's like his character, his reputation, who he is. Like if he was acting and restoring my soul based on what I could do, then it would be dependent upon me and my performance. But it's not. It's active in who God is. It's for his namesake that he leads us. Um, Ezekiel had this beautiful vision and beautiful uh, explanation, one of the rare ones in the Old Testament, about the new covenant in Ezekiel 6, uh, 36 verses 22 through 38 in the middle of that in verse 26 it's God speaking and he says I will give you a new heart this is an announcement of the new covenant the future uh, in Christ I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes like I will cause you to walk. I'll restore your soul and I will lead you in paths of righteousness for my namesake. And that's what Ezekiel said in the beginning and end of this little portion here in between this uh, me of the new covenant. Why is he doing this? Why is he doing this in his people? And in Ezekiel 20 said, 22 he said thus says the Lord God it is not for your sake now that might be offensive to us uh, well yeah it's for our sake right you know he does love us he is doing good things for us but it's not God says it's not for your sake O house of Israel that I'm about to act but for the sake of my holy name and this is comforting that God's acting on behalf of his reputation of his name not acting and, and, and acting on behalf of just for our sake. So when we're, our souls are depleted, when we're sheep upside down, kicking, kick, kick, and he comes and he restores our soul, he's not doing it just for our sake. It's saving our life, right? But he's leading us in these paths of righteousness. He, he restores us for his name's sake. You're guiding me in these paths of righteousness for your namesake because of who you are and see there's comfort in that there's the jewel of the comfort because God does not change he is the same God he restores us there's comfort in that God's always going to act and treat 
me on the basis of who he is, not on the basis of how good or how bad I have been. And most of the world acts that way. We're treated by, you know, loved a lot because we're doing good and removed that love because we're not doing so good or we did something good for them then they like us and then if we didn't they don't like us and that, that's always changing and God says I'm not restoring you David is saying like from the portion of the sheep it's very soul feeling to him you restore my soul and you lead me in paths of righteousness not because I'm David I'm the king or I've done something great or I'm the man after your own heart that you spoke of me but in my sin or whether I'm sinning and coming back and you rebuke me with Nathan you do all these things Lord because you're doing them and you're leading me in paths of righteousness because of your name the consistency of your name and who you are and there's great comfort in that this is a jewel of contentment I don't rest and, and, and lie down because I'm doing good or I don't and I'm anxious because I'm doing bad it's a consistent shepherd who watches over me and he's doing things because of his glory and because of his name and I can rest in that. In the close of Ezekiel, he says, Then you, you will remember your evil ways and the deeds that were not good. That's you. That's us. If we want to remember something about ourselves, doing it for my sake, you know, our evilness. And you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. Uh, but he says he's doing this for his name's sake, not for your name's sake. He's leading us paths of righteousness for the sake of his holy name find great comfort in this what a beautiful name it is isn't it what a beautiful name it is death cannot hold you the veil tore before you you silence the boast of sin and grave the heavens are roaring the praise of your glory for you are raised to life again you have no rival you have no equal now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name the name of Jesus is. The one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and who is the consistent me in my life. He just comes and sees me helpless. He comes and sees me turned over, and he turns me over. said this, he looked over the people in Matthew 9 36 and he looked at the crowds and he had compassion on them and he said because they were harassed and helpless, harassed and helpless, I mean their sheep are very vulnerable, they will be harassed they'll be eaten you know, immediately in that vulnerable state, the shepherd doesn't come by and Jesus said that the crowds were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd he uses this imagery like sheep without a shepherd, they don't have anyone to discontent, they're vulnerable to the enemy, they're open to all the, the schemes of the devil, and they're just harassed and helpless, and I'm the good shepherd, come to pick them up and turn them over, I'll rub their feet and restore blood flow to them, I will pick them up and carry them for a while in my loving arms and put them back with the fold, the fold of God and so this is very powerful in this imagery and this is very a very contentment of the Lord. Psalm 115 says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. To your name, give, I mean, over and over, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name 
give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. He's leading us in those paths of righteousness for his namesake. Very comforting. Now reading some uh, N.T. Wright on this psalm, he said at the heart of Psalm 23, it's Linton, because this next verse says, even though I walk the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And the way this is written in the Hebrew, the shadow of the death, I don't, I don't know if you know how Hebrew is written, it's written in all consonants, so when they read, their mind has to imagine the vowels, and it places them in there, and they read things. Well, there's certain phrases that, you know, depending on how you put the vowels in there, it could say different things. So, the valley of the shadow of death, uh, a shadow of death could be, could be said, the valley of deep darkness. It, be said the same way. So it can be the, the death, the actual fear of death. It can also be just, I believe, the, the deep darkness that all of us in our life will face death. It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this comes the judgment. So all of us are going to fa face death. Um, very important. Um, C.S. Lewis, in The Weight of Glory, he said, he was talking about war, and he said, war doesn't increase the rate of death. Death is always 100%. Uh, it might increase how young you die, but when you die, are you really going to care about how many years you have behind you when you're facing death? You know, and so death is always 100%. It's appointed unto men once to die, um, and after this, the judgment. We're not always prepared for that. I believe this is talking about the valley of the shadow of death. When you walk through that valley of the shadow of death, I also believe sheep. Uh, go into places a lot of times in deep valleys. There's shadows overcast. There's dark places. It's a place of danger where they can get pounced by um, lions, bears, wolves, all the things that desire to eat a helpless sheep. And I believe there's instruction here that when we're in those valleys, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so N.T. Wright says, it's walking through the valley of the shadow of death and fearing no evil. It's very Lenten. It's very this time of season as we walk with Jesus in these paths and habits of the heart leading up to Palm Sunday and Holy Week and the betrayal of Judas and, um, and Jesus washing the disciples' feet and going to the cross and his resurrection. We first imagine ourselves as a sheep trusting in the shepherd explicitly. That's what David's doing in these first three verses. Now he's in verse four. So this is, a, this is a person who's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm resting in him. I'm, he's, he's restoring my soul. He's leading me in paths of righteousness. And we get to this place where this person's trusting in the good care. And that good care is preparing them for valleys. Valley, the valley of the shadow of death. So stick close to the shepherd. Our contentment is in God and in being close to him. And the exhortation is to be close to the shepherd. Um, he is our provision, our restorer, our sense of well-being. He is our contentment. So in the darkest valley, we're to focus on the Lord being with us. And I don't know about you, but in dark times, you can feel the loneliest. The, the loneliest. You know, we, you can feel so alone when you're going through something hard. It's like that darkness. You just can't seem to see anyone else. You can't seem to see God. You can't, are you there? This is the valley of the shadow of death. This is the time when we need his light more than ever for him to watch over us. 
we need to be able to look up and fear no evil in that time. Don't let it take us away from our contentment in God. We need to trust in him, even though our emotions and our feelings and everything else might not be able to sense it. We walk by faith and not by sight. And by faith, we keep our focus on the author and finisher of our faith. We look to Jesus, our good shepherd, and we look and we see him in the midst of that darkness. Even when we're facing death itself, we look up and we see his rod and staff. We see our shepherd. He said in the beginning, the Lord is my shepherd. You look and you see him in these dark times, in these hard times, in these difficult things that you face, and you see his rod and his staff, and they comfort you. This is still that contentment. You're comforted even in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death. I will not fear what darkness can do. I will not fear what death can do. I will not fear anything that the evil one can do. Because I look to Jesus. He is my shepherd. His rod and staff comfort me. He's protecting me. He's counted me amongst his own. I am his sheep. I come in, in, under his protection, even in the midst of this darkness. My trust is in him. His rod and staff comfort me. His peace surpasses all understanding right now in the midst of this darkness. I've experienced that. I've been so encouraged by other people who've experienced that, even experienced it in death, in the death of a loved one, in the death of a child. I have seen people say, I'm going to press on to the Lord. He's leading me through this. I don't even know how I'm doing it. I don't even know I have peace right now, but I do, and I'm boggled by it. I go, how do you? It's the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me in these valleys of the shadow of death, but I fear no evil. I like a story that Tim Keller told. His uh, a father had uh, lost his wife and, and died in a tragic car incident little child had survived and his the father's with his little child as they come up to a street a light in a big truck passes a big diesel truck and just shakes the sidewalk as they're waiting for the little green light to cross and the sun's coming this way and the truck passes by and you know they're in the shadow for a brief second and the sun hits him and, and he turns he's trying to find out this way to explain his little child about uh, the death of and says, you know, um, mommy has died, yes, he said, but in Christ, it's just like the shadow of death, it was like the shadow, did, you, did that truck hit me? It was, it was just like, no, it didn't hit us, but the shadow of it hit you, right? You, you saw the shadow hit you as it passed, yeah, that's all mommy went through, was the shadow of death, and she's with the Lord, and it was a really good way to explain the shadow of death for a, a, a even when we face the ultimate thing of death itself, we just passed the shadow of it in our loved ones. And it was a way of him comforting his own heart and also comforting the child's heart for losing the mother in death. It's just a shadow of death for the believer. Death must be faced by each one of us. And only the Lord can be with us in that time. Like nobody else can walk with us necessarily in that deep darkness, that darkness place when we're alone. And we realize God was with, there, with us even in death. And he's armed to protect 
He's armed to lead and he's armed to guide you even through the valley of the shadow of death because his rod and staff comfort you. He's guiding you even through times of deep darkness. God is there with you. Jesus said to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. And Jesus intercedes for us that way. Uh, Satan's sifting his darkness, his dark valleys, but Jesus is your intercessor and he's praying for you and interceding for you that we will once again overcome, rise up, go through the valley of the shadow of death and come out on the other side stronger in our trust for the Lord. And there seems to be this shift in verses 5 through 6. Some people can maintain the shepherd imagery over these next two verses. I I prefer the shift here of a contentment at the Lord's table. seems to be a shift of the Lord presenting himself as the host because a table's being prepared before you, um, your head's being anointed with oil, a cup is overflowing. This is a very dinner table setting. Um, There's goodness and mercy in the house of the Lord, so you're invited into the house of the Lord. And um, N.T. Wright says this, he says, the metaphor changes um, to the Lord as host as they are being royally entertained by God. I just love that. I love that wording. Like, come into my house. Come into my presence. I'm going to anoint your head with oil. Your cup's going to overflow. Uh, this Jesus inviting us in. Um, it's, it's like at the Lord's Supper. They're at the Lord's Supper. He's sharing his body and his blood. He's sharing this meal with them. He's saying that his body will be the bread. You know, the wine will represent his blood. He will give it. He will pour it out for them for the forgiveness of their sins. And it's in the presence of of Judas, in the presence of his enemies, uh, that he does this. And enemies are planning and scheming all around with Judas, right in the presence of his enemies. He's preparing the table for those that love him. And they're eating this meal together. In the presence of it, uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Surely, goodness and mercy, your steadfast love, mercy, same word of God, steadfast love, mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Even the ESV study Bible says that um, there's the shift here that the Lord is host, is inviting you into into his house, into, and he's saying, um, I'm going to put the table all set before I'm going to put oil on your head your cup's going to overflow you're in the Lord's house Um, uh, and the enemies are powerless to prevent the enjoyment of God's generous hospitality let them be all around you can't see anything but me and the table I have set before you let them do their things let them plan their plans you know what I'm going to do I'm going to take bread and I'm going to break it love of God. He's leading you in those paths of righteousness for his namesake, that namesake, that steadfast love leading you. That's assuring to me that 
the faithfulness of God, his beauty, his name is leading me and guiding me and pursuing me. I love to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So during this season, remember the habit of the heart to be content in God. Remember the green pastures and the still waters. Remember him making you lie down in them to rest in him. Rest in them completely for your salvation. Rest in him for your daily life. Remember how he's led you, guided you, given you direction. Remember he is near you, maybe even nearest you in the darkest of the valleys in your life. The times when you feel most alone. Open up your eyes and see his rod and staff comforting you in the deepest, darkest times. Remember, you're invited into his royal table. Remember, he's prepared a table for you in the presence of his enemies, and they're powerless to keep you from enjoying God's generosity, the generosity of Jesus serving you, waiting on you, that you will dwell there forever. That's your home forever in the presence of Jesus, the Lord, the great host. royal priesthood you're a royal priesthood your spiritual house being built up together to God so that he might inhabit you as a people the Lord is my shepherd I have no needs I have the jewel of contentment in him always even in the valley of the shadow of death amen we're going to celebrate the Lord's supper together so there should be these little Communion cups. Is there anyone here? Is there anyone here? I love Jesus inviting us to the table as the host. Wow. There's no one with more generous hospitality than Jesus. I love Grace Harvest Church, and I love those with the gift of hospitality and the warmth I feel in their homes. What a great gift to have, to be able to have people into your home and prepare a meal for them. And All the gifts are important, but Jesus had this gift. And he gave his all. And the night that he was betrayed, Paul says, given for you for the remission of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember my death until I come, Jesus said. 
do this, church. As often as you gather together, remember my death until I come. Let us partake together of the cup of the new covenant. We thank you, God and Father. We thank you, Yahweh, our shepherd, our good shepherd, Jesus and John Kinstein, the good shepherd. We thank you, Jesus being our shepherd, for you leading us, just anoint our hearts right now, pour the oil over our heads, and anoint our hearts to sing and worship your name, which is great above all other names, in Jesus' name, amen.
Love one another.